Hello and welcome to the Upper Bowl GM podcast. It is Nick Zararis. It is late on Sunday evening as I'm recording this. I am watching Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl both go for the record for single points in a game. Dreisaitl has six at the moment. McDavid has five. The record is nine points. Daryl Siddler said it back in, I think it was the mid-80s, I want to say, as a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was a nice day of sports. There was hockey, pretty busy hockey schedule, quite a few entertaining NBA games. There was some NWHL. The Matt Stafford trade broke late on Saturday night. There was a lot lot going on in the sports world. And unfortunately, we're not going to get to talk about that on today's show because something happened in the hockey world that's more important than just who won, who lost, who's trending in the right direction, and who who's in trouble, that kind of thing. Spent a lot of last week, I put together that blog, I put together an episode of the podcast where I was just talking about problems the Rangers were having as a team thus far into their young season. When I recorded and I wrote the blog, they'd only played seven games. One of the points I raised in both forms, whether the podcast or the blog, was the Rangers are not a well-prepared team. Their coach does not put them in a position to succeed. They let things fester until they become too much of a problem. And that's true for more than just bad habits on the ice. They put Tony D'Angelo, when I say they, I mean the Rangers put Tony D'Angelo on waivers this morning. Not unconditional waivers for the purposes of a buyout, but waivers, which means they will either be able to send him to the AHL or the taxi squad if no one claims him, and it doesn't seem like anyone is going to claim him. So, this episode is going to be talking about the Rangers, and a little bit about hockey culture in general, because I do have some thoughts, and I will have a blog about this during the week at some point, but while this is still fresh on my mind, and it is the most important sports story of the day, I want to talk about this. So, I'm just going to get right into it in a sec. Please help grow the show. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening, please leave a review, subscribe, follow. Please help grow. Okay, I will see you guys in one second on the other side of this drop. going to get right into it. They put D'Angelo on waivers middle Sunday afternoon, probably about one o'clock, I'd say, somewhere in that ballpark. Elliot Friedman, the uh, Sportsnet insider who gets his news from the uh, league office, which is one of the things you have to remember when you talk about the insiders, whether it's hockey, football, basketball, baseball, all of those people, they get their information more often than not from the league office, because the league office is a centralized source of information where because the Rangers put D'Angelo on waivers, someone had to file paperwork, which had to go through the league office, and Elliot Friedman got it first and from the league office. So we start with that news around 1 o'clock. And then someone I follow on Twitter for a few years now, he's, I know him for more like just tweeting about the Rangers. I know he handicaps a little bit. He, he's, 
worked for a few different sports gambling companies, that kind of thing. But Matt Albert tweeted probably about 30 minutes after Elliot's tweet with a quote tweet that said, well, maybe you shouldn't fight your teammates after losing games, which followed up a little bit later with a screenshot of a conversation he was texting with someone, and it said in there, wow, did you see that? D'Angelo and someone in the tunnel after the game, the production company's probably going to protect that one. And, you know, we Twitter slowly but surely started trying to piece together what happened. So we started with what we knew. We knew the Rangers lost in overtime to the Penguins on Saturday night on a Sidney Crosby goal. We know that Tony D'Angelo, Artemi Panarin, and Mika Zibanejad were on the ice, and Alexander Georgiev was in net. We know that D'Angelo, at about probably about 20 seconds into the sequence, got control of the puck. He dumped it out into the neutral zone without looking where he was aiming and gave it back to the Penguins. The Rangers were not able to clear. And then the Penguins just worked a cycle for about 50 seconds to maybe 70 seconds, somewhere in that ballpark. The Rangers had another opportunity to clear at one point where the Penguins got it behind the net and Georgiev came out of his net to play the puck behind the net where him and D'Angelo, there was a miscommunication because Georgiev went to play the puck when D'Angelo tried to play it. And again, they failed to clear the zone. And then the Penguins subsequently scored because the three Ranger skaters were out there for 90 seconds, maybe close to two minutes of ice time without able to get a change, which is pretty untenable. You're not going to be able to do much. Your legs are shot at that point. You got to remember the normal hockey shift, 45 seconds to a minute. That's what you're shooting for. So 90 seconds to two minutes is pretty much physically impossible from that standpoint. That's what we know. Then we think, okay, what do we know? We know how the game ended. We know that D'Angelo and Georgiev had a miscommunication and the Rangers lost the game. Then we try to put it together. All right, well, we know they put him on waivers. Well, they gave him $4.5 million a year for a two-year contract as a restricted free agent. So we're assuming that this is not a paper transaction to send him to the taxi squad for the day. This is what starts leading people to believe that what Matt Albert tweeted, that there was an altercation, was true. The Rangers have practice. Colin Stevenson of Newsday asks Rangers coach David Quinn about the rumors on social media, and David Quinn gave a very non-committal answer where he said, we're not going to address rumors, which let you know that something happened. Because if nothing happened, David Quinn would have unequivocally denied that there was an altercation. That's the first point. And that's when this really started to pick up oxygen. And then, to his credit, as much as I criticize his work and as skeptical as I am that he still has his job at The Athletic, Rick Carpinello confirmed that the person that D'Angelo got into an altercation with was goaltender Alexander Georgiev, and that this wasn't just a paper transaction for the taxi squad to save money for the day. This was a either, we're done with you to Tony D'Angelo from the Rangers, or this was a, hey, we know you had 53 points last season, but you have one point in eight games thus far, and you can't keep doing this kind of thing. Now that we know that this wasn't just a paper transaction thing, that there actually was an altercation, and 
we all know the kind of person Tony D'Angelo is. Now, that is not a commentary on his political beliefs. As gross as some of the things he likes and retweeted on his Twitter account before he got rid of it, he's allowed to do that. He can be a right-wing MAGA person, and this he, he can do that. Now, we can hold that against him, but he, he can do that. There's nothing wrong from a hockey perspective that he is a right-leaning individual. The problem is that you know that it's more than that with him. You know about the incidents when he was in junior hockey, the abuse of a teammate, and a, a verbal abuse of a teammate and an official, you know that the Tampa Bay Lightning, who drafted him 19th overall, gave up on him in less than a year and traded him to the Arizona Coyotes for a second-round pick. And this is Steve Eiserman at the time we're talking about, who has a reputation for being one of the best GMs in hockey, for getting the most value out of all his pieces, for drafting guys extremely well. And they realized pretty quickly that D'Angelo was not worth the headache. It's pretty damning when an organization that's as well-run as the Lightning are willing to give up on a guy that quick. That's a strong indictment of D'Angelo's character, because the, the Lightning are a extremely talented organization. They have a top-flight AHL operation. The Syracuse Crunch are always a very well-run team, and if they felt they couldn't work with D'Angelo, that was a telling message to the rest of the league. Arizona gives up a second-round pick. Less than a year after doing that, the Rangers trade Derek Stepan and Antti Ranta to Arizona for Tony D'Angelo and the seventh overall pick. And D'Angelo has, you know, the usual ups and downs you would associate with a guy who's bounced around and hasn't had a ton of success. Because you got to remember, conventionally, defensemen develop slower than forwards. So... An 18-year-old, a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old, 21-year-old, 22-year-old struggling isn't the most ridiculous thing. It's hard to learn how to play defense at the NHL level, and it took D'Angelo a while. And the Rangers, to... I guess their desperation really rode it out with D'Angelo and gave him time to try and figure out how to play effectively at the NHL level, and it took, you know, three seasons in New York for him to to play well, where he recorded 53 points last year, he finished fourth overall in points by defensemen, he got some Norris votes, I know he finished around, I think seventh, he got a single Norris vote, I think he got more, more than uh, Miro Heiskanen of the Dallas Stars, which I know hockey writers had a lot of fun with, because D'Angelo is like an objectively horrendous defenseman, but I'm telling you all of this background information to try and give you a picture of how many chances D'Angelo's had. So you got to figure, a guy who is a first-round pick is going to get a lot of chances because someone saw talent there. And from a team-building perspective, talent evaluators will always give first-round picks more chances because they have inherent physical skills that guys later in the draft don't have. And it's why people take chances on guys like D'Angelo. The Rangers were desperate for defensive production. And we're, I don't mean just points. I mean competent defensemen who can, like, play at the NHL level. When they acquired him, 
you're talking about a team that has Mark Stahl, that has Nick Holden, that has Brady Shea, that has Brendan Smith. There's no amazing blue chip talent on the blue line. And they were desperate for blue line production, and they saw a guy with upside. So they took on D'Angelo, knowing his baggage, knowing that this guy is problematic, that he is hard to work with, that he does not take coaching well, which I've read in more than one scouting report, that he really doesn't seem, he doesn't seem to get it or take his hockey life too seriously, is what I've gathered from a lot of things I've read from talent evaluators, from columnists, from people in the hockey universe, that this is a guy who was always the best guy on his hockey team, who has an outward type A personality where he's constantly talking, he's constantly trying to be the center of attention, where he's never been wrong, he's never been told no, he always gets to do what he wants, and it reared its head on Saturday night, because we know that there was an incident after the game, and that involved Georgiev, and it involved D'Angelo, and it's very easy to paint a mental picture in your head as to what happened. They're coming off the ice, they are in the tunnel between the dressing room and the door to the ice, and D'Angelo says something about Georgiev fucking up and the Rangers losing the game. And rule number one of just being a good teammate is knowing when to call out your teammates and in the appropriate way to talk to your teammates. And this is where I get into my big picture talking about the state of the Rangers as an organization as a problem and why I don't think David Quinn is a good coach. The fact that D'Angelo felt confident enough that nothing would happen to him if he was going to talk shit to one of his teammates to their face less than a minute after losing a game in overtime, that is, that's just not cool. And now I know there are a number of individuals out there in the Rangers sphere of the internet who say things like fights happen between teammates all the time this is normal there's a difference between Josh Norman and Cam Newton you know there's a difference between teammates in training camp fighting because a drill got carried away and someone was barking at one another that's very different from we just lost an intense game in overtime to a team that's won two Stanley Cups in the last five years and I'm calling out my teammate, who's a goalie, for making a mistake in overtime, that's not cool. You have to know how to talk to your teammates, and the fact that David Quinn has let Tony D'Angelo do whatever he's do whatever he's wanted to for two and a half years now, that's not good organizational management. And I want to talk about this with a few different points here. Number one, the Rangers have no leadership to speak of. I know a lot of people are out there are assuming that it was Chris Kreider who got in the middle of it and stopped the fight from happening because, all right, now it's time to break out the conspiracy tack board. So during the post-game interviews from last night's game, there's a bump, a red mark on Kreider's fist, and the Rangers took the video down of po- Kreider's post-game interview from YouTube and their website and it's leading credence to this theory that Kreider got in the middle of it. Kreider's not a vocal leader. Jacob Trouba is not a vocal leader. Mika Zibanejad is not a vocal leader. I'm not saying these guys don't have leadership traits, that they're not quality hockey players, but 
there's a difference between being a guy who can occasionally say the right thing in the room in a tight game and help get the guys going, and someone who can lay down the law and manage things. Because I can tell you something. The Rangers had Henrik Lundqvist for a long time, and there were a lot of chances for Henrik Lundqvist to snipe off at a teammate for screwing him over. Henrik Lundqvist knew better than to do that. Teammates knew better than to go at other people in the room when guys like Lundqvist, guys like Mark Stahl, guys like Dan Girardi, when there are strong leaders in the room, you can wrangle a head case or two. And make no mistake about it, the Rangers probably are going to be stuck, and they're probably going to give D'Angelo another chance, as abhorrent as that sounds, that this guy picked a fight with a teammate, had to be separated, and he still is just going to get another chance to do it because the organization doesn't have its priorities in order. You can deal with a nutcase. Nutcases win championships all of the time. Antonio Brown, who is a bad person with multiple sexual assault and rape allegations against him, is in the Super Bowl this weekend. The Buccaneers, as an organization, felt that they had guys who could keep him in line, that if he's living with Tom Brady, he's going to be fine. And I'm not saying that's okay, because I'm not saying it's okay, because the Buccaneers should not be giving Antonio Brown an opportunity to play football. I'm just making a comparison that you want to have a nutcase on your team. You have to be able to keep them in check. And this leads me into something I've talked about with a number of people in my sphere of the hockey universe for a few years now. The Rangers are not a team. The Rangers are a collection of talent. All of these guys more or less stick to two or three other friends on the team, and that's it. There's no team bonding. There's no team dad like you see on some other teams where an older guy has a couple of the younger guys living with him. There's not a lot of bonding. There's not a lot of corny stuff for the social media team. The Rangers, like, I'll say the post-2001 Yankees, are just a collection of guys. The European guys, I'll stick with the European guys. Zvinijad, Panarin, Booch, those guys all stick with each other. Truber and Kreider stick with each other. D'Angelo, Ryan Strom, Brendan Lemieux, those guys stick with each other. Brendan Smith, I know, looks out for Kako. They ride to practice and games together, but there's still a language barrier there. And, you know, Smith is married. I'm pretty sure he has a kid. It's a little hard for him to be best friends with a 19-year-old. So what I want to talk about a little bit is culture, because... I understand that culture is the buzzword, that it's the stupid thing that people like Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman and Colin Cowherd and Jason Whitlock and Skip Bayless and the hot takeologists, they obsess about culture and toxicity and that kind of thing without ever actually addressing situations where it spirals out of control. And this is a case where a toxic locker room culture spiraled out of control. For D'Angelo to feel like there would be no consequences for him snapping at a teammate after losing a game is, the culture allows that. And it bleeds into some of the other things that we all know, that a coach can wear too thin on a group of guys if he's too assertive, if he's too much of a hardo. You think about guys like Matt Patricia who burned out after two and a half years because he was just constantly tearing guys down. He was constantly emasculating them in front of his teammates. 
you think about coaches who just, you know, they're there for the ride. They're the Larry Coker at Miami in 2000, where he's just there because they need a coach. And I think that's part of the problem the Rangers have right now is that David Quinn has always seemed a little bit overwhelmed as coach of the Rangers. Going from coaching Boston University to the Rangers is a leap. BU is a prominent hockey program in a moderate-sized market that cares about hockey. BU hockey is a prominent job in the hockey universe. It's not coaching professional hockey players. It's not dealing with guys who make millions of dollars. And you can see, based on how the team has handled adversity, how certain guys have carried themselves, and you start to gather that David Quinn is essentially running the Rangers like you'd run a college hockey team. It's why he's got his favorite. It's why he got guys who play more minutes than other guys, even if they're not more deserving. That He's always deferring to the older guys because that's how you run a college team. The older guys get more shots before the younger guys, and if they mess up, well, the younger guys are going to have more time to play, so they'll get to play later on. And it's bringing me to something I've wanted to talk about for a while, and I haven't really known how to articulate it until now because I had a conversation with someone today about this. this, His demeanor has always rubbed me the wrong way. He's always kind of had this condescending, snarky tone to him, and someone compared him to an aggressive frat president where... He's always constantly trying to find a way to rile guys up to get something out of them. But it's... When you talk about the way he's handled D'Angelo, where he's healthy scratched him a number of times over the three years he's been the coach to kind of send him a message, D'Angelo still hasn't learned anything because he still keeps acting out. How he handled Leah Anderson, who is now an L.A. King. How he handled Vitaly Kratsov last year at the end of training camp. And you start to get a picture of a coach who, at the very least, has trouble connecting with his players. And I'll go as far as to say he doesn't really have a finger on the pulse of his dressing room. Because when they sent Kratsov to Russia last year, it was the Rangers throwing it under the rug saying he wasn't ready for the NHL, which... Okay, you want to make the argument that at 19, he probably wasn't ready and he needed an an additional year or so to play. Okay, I'm I'm not opposed to that mindset. It's probably true, but that's not what he felt, the player. When they, when a Russian publication interviewed him, he told the publication that the Rangers told him he didn't make the team because of his heart rate, that... He wasn't meeting the targeted heart rate zones for drills and that kind of thing, that he wasn't in the shape they wanted him in, and that's why they sent him to the AHL. He struggled there for a few weeks, and then went back to Russia. If you're not communicating with your player your goals and objectives for them, and that it's inconsistent, you you get frustrated. And I know the Rangers did that with Buchnevich for a number of years, where he constantly felt like he wasn't being given a fair shake and a fair chance to get get a chance to make an impact. And we see it now. Buchnevich has probably been the Rangers' best forward so far this season. And it took five years for them to get constant production out of him by giving him a chance. And going back to Leah Anderson, who I mentioned when I started this point, 
the Rangers never gave him a chance to make an impact at the NHL level. They fed him to the Wolves on a number of occasions with bad line mates, playing eight, nine minutes a game. And that was it. He never got a chance to play with quality teammates. He never got a chance to learn how to play hockey at the NHL level. The Rangers constantly gave him the runaround and never really let him find his footing in a way they've been willing to with guys like Brett Howden, with guys like Tony D'Angelo, who have traits that are valuable as hockey players. But you got to be fair in your allocation of justice as a head coach because you didn't do that to some of these guys. And going back to the point about Quinn running a frat locker room, think about how he called Buchnevich Captain Happy. Now, I know social media thinks it's funny that David Quinn calls him Captain Happy. It's because Buchnevich takes his job very seriously and that he gets frustrated when he doesn't do well. So the few times he does do well and you see him smiling, Quinn is making fun of the fact this guy cares. And I didn't really think it was that malicious in the kind of depreciating nickname you would give someone in a fraternity, but it really, now with this added information of knowing that things are a little bit tense in the dressing room, that kind of thing, you know that, okay, well, this guy doesn't really seem to get what's going on in his room, so maybe this isn't as funny as everyone seems to think it is. And we get to uh, Adam Herman, who I've long challenged for his standing in the uh, Ranger sphere of the internet because he has consistently waffled on his talking points. He does not have a leg to stand on in a lot of situations where he never allows himself to be wrong because he's constantly moving the goalposts and talent evaluation in his opinion. He reported that the Rangers as an organization were concerned about interactions between D'Angelo and rookie defenseman K. Andre Miller. The Rangers have refuted said reporting. K. Andre Miller's agent has refuted said reporting. And it blew up. It got mainstream attention from bigger outlets, from general hockey people who aren't on the Rangers beat and on the Rangers sphere of the internet, because Adam runs the SB Nation Rangers blog, which is a, which is a significant job in the hockey, in the Rangers hockey community for getting information out to people in a little bit more digestible version than what you might find in Newsday, the Post, the Daily News, that kind of thing. There is a value in having quality blog writers. My problem is that Adam tries to, to portray himself as a journalist with sources in the organization. And he consistently, when he's tried to break news, has gotten things wrong, which he seemed to have here, even though he says he stands by his reporting. And it's frustrating to me, as someone with a news background, that someone reported something without having all their ducks in a row. Because it's the most important thing you have as a journalist. Like I talked about with Wally Matthews on last Tuesday's edition of the podcast, All you have as a journalist is your word. If you don't have your word, you have no value as a reporter, and the public cannot trust you. I've always been skeptical of Adam's reporting, and to be frank, it's kind of messed up he reported that, because now this is going to get made into a K. Andre Miller, Tony D'Angelo thing in the news cycle, 
even though it probably shouldn't. This should be about D'Angelo constantly being a nuisance, being annoying, being hard to play with, not taking coaching well, and frankly, being on his third strike in the league. Three organizations give up on you, you're going to the Swedish Elite League or the KHL. Teams are just not going to be willing to take a chance on you, which is why D'Angelo is going to clear waivers, to be honest. I mean, to be frank, if a 53-point right-handed defenseman with two years of team control at less than $5 million a year became available, a lot of teams would have jumped at the opportunity to pick up Tony D'Angelo if he wasn't a head case. And because he's a head case, because he has a a history of outward bigotry towards people on his team and around hockey, you have to take pause and you reap what you sow. And for a long time, I understood the D'Angelo thing, that the Rangers saw value in him, that he was helping them win hockey games, and I was wrong. I was complacent in allowing and not speaking against using him as prominently as they do in marketing campaigns, as they did in social media stuff they did last year, where they had him doing the uh, locker room segments, where he'd interview teammates with corny questions, that kind of thing, for intermission shows and for social media. I was wrong, and I should have been more willing to listen to people who were speaking out about his use in promotional materials because that's one of the faces of your team to the casual rangers fan i know there are a lot of rangers fans who don't care about his politics and that he said some really bigoted things as a teenager before he got to the nhl that they only want to win hockey games that they don't care how bad any of these people are as people they just want to win games i'm not cool with that and now that i've kind of found a journalistic voice, a style of reporting and interviewing that I feel confident in talking about it. And I can say authoritatively, I was wrong about this. I'm sorry I kind of underplayed the whole D'Angelo problem as long as I did. And to be frank, the Rangers should have put him for unconditional release, but they don't want to eat the dead cap hit for a year and a half. And brings me to a point I saw more than one person make today that the Rangers probably shouldn't have given a guy a two-year contract if not a single person around the league was willing to trade for him, which we know the Rangers were shopping both him and Ryan Strom this offseason, but couldn't find takers for either, and I know I read more than one blog or news report today that said that teams there are a number of teams around the league that wouldn't touch D'Angelo solely for the optic problem he brings along with him. You know, I mean, this is a guy who just likes QAnon posts, who doubts the results of the November election, who tweeted coronavirus being a myth kind of thing, solicited a following on Parler, which was shut down for its role in the uh, Capitol insurrection on January 6th. Yeah. This guy was never worth the problems he brought with him, and it boiled over to a point that the Rangers locker room is going to be under a microscope for the rest of the year, that David Quinn is going to be under a microscope for the rest of the year, and 
To be frank, as an organization, the Rangers have things to answer for. I wrote a blog in June during the George Floyd protests stating that the Rangers issuing a very nondescript condemnation of racism without mentioning George Floyd's name was not okay. That if you are going to solicit the talents of someone like K. Andre Miller, who is African-American, you need to do more than just the bare minimum. You need to take racism seriously as an organization, and the Rangers don't. And that goes up to the owner, James Dolan, who frankly doesn't care. He is a greedy person who doesn't care about anyone other than himself. And you can say what you want about the Garden of Dreams. You can say what you want about his other charity work. This is a guy who started a band that tours and opens for actual bands solely because he's a billionaire, solely because he can buy things. He propped up the... Um, he propped up the campaign of Nicole Milikotis, the congresswoman who represents a district that includes Staten Island, solely because the person she was running against, Rosen, tweet, tweeted something making fun of how Dolan has run the Knicks into the ground for much of the last 20 years, and he solely dumped money into her campaign because this guy was fundraising using the Knicks as a punchline, and you can't do that to James Dolan can't do that. That's disrespectful. This is a guy who dumped millions of dollars into Trump super PACs, who has never really cared about racism, and, you know, because it doesn't affect him, he doesn't really care about it, and it's why the Rangers as an organization, why the Knicks as an organization, don't take community outreach things seriously. Yeah, they throw money at Harlem and hockey, which is a good thing, don't get me wrong, they should keep doing that, but when you do things and have nights like Hockey is for Everyone and LGBTQ events and stuff for minorities who might not otherwise have opportunity in hockey, that's nice that you're doing that for one night or one weekend or one month a year. you got to do it every other day of the year. You have to actively pursue anti-racism agendas. You have to put people in positions where they are comfortable in your environment. And I know as a white guy who looks like someone who watches hockey. I have heard things said by people about people playing hockey that made me feel extremely uncomfortable because they were, you know, outwardly racist. I mean, I still think about election night in 2016. The Rangers were playing the Canucks that night, and during the national anthem, at the end of each line, usually someone is yelling out, let's go Rangers, there was a lot of let's go Trumps. And again, you cannot ideologically portray all 75 million people who voted for Donald Trump as all being in favor of the insurrection on January 6th. And that's an important line to demarcate that some journalists are not making. There are a lot of people who just vote R no matter what. And yes, that is part of the problem, but work with me here. I know the Rangers don't take their social initiatives that seriously because they don't put effort into them. I I know that it frustrates me as a fan, and I know it frustrates a significant portion of the fan base that, from an institutional perspective, the Rangers don't care about the individual fan. They don't care about their fans from a non-ticket-buying perspective. And yes, that goes back up to ownership, like I had said before, talking about the anti-racism messaging after 
George Floyd was murdered, but the Rangers are a corporate team, like the Yankees, like the Maple Leafs, that their base is corporations who buy tickets for their employees to take clients to smooth them, that they sell luxury boxes, that they sell those tickets with the wait service within the first eight rows of the ice that has food and drinks included. That's what it's about for the Rangers. It's not about getting new fans through social media outreach, through community events, through autograph signings, through meet the players, that kind of thing. It's a corporate machine, and we need to ask for better from the organizations we put our time and effort into. I have a Rangers logo tattooed on my forearm, and for the fourth, fifth time in a year, I'm mortally embarrassed how they've handled an issue involving racism, and it is not okay. Now, whether D'Angelo was outwardly causing a problem with K. Andre Miller, we'll probably never know because the Rangers will sweep it under the rug like organizations are known to do with serious allegations like this, but whether or not Herman's report, which was refuted, gets verified from an organizational source, which it hasn't, and it's been pushed back on, the Rangers can't let Tony D'Angelo back in that locker room. Purely from a culture, health of the team standpoint, you can't let him back in your locker room, because if a guy thinks he can call out a teammate and start a fight, you know what you have to say to someone to start a fist fight, and you say it, and all you get is, you know, a three-day timeout where they put him on waivers, he clears, no one claims him, and he skates with the taxi squad for a week, and they bring him back for the second week of February. It's like healthy scratching him the other times. He didn't learn his lesson. You cannot bring a guy like that back into your locker room under any circumstance. I don't care anymore about the hockey. You are trying to establish a culture of winning. You know how you win having strong teams that work together, that believe in each other, and that would go to war for each other. I, I know these are all very cliche things that you hear people I like to make fun of say a lot. But you need to have guys all pulling in the same direction, that you need to believe in the team. And like I've said for a while now, it's clear David Quinn does not have control of the team from a hockey perspective, or from a culture perspective, because you can't have guys fighting in the locker room after a game because one guy mouthed off to someone. And again, a lot of this is conjecture and speculation because the Rangers as an organization do not value their public relations and do not give messaging to the public, which lets us speculate. And it leads to a lot of guys who know guys tweeting things that may or not be true, and guys like Adam trying to scoop news because they want a job reporting things that aren't true. Then you get into the he said, she said part of it, of the journalism side of it, where you have people like Adam who are going to say, I'm standing by my story. Then you have Greg Wisniewski of ESPN who's reporting that the Rangers have denied the allegations of the weird interactions between Miller and D'Angelo, that D'Angelo was keeping the puck from Keandre's first goal, that he scored in Buffalo last week, that that D'Angelo was keeping it to mess with him, to haze him. ESPN reported that that story is not true. And 
I'm going to believe Greg Wisniewski of ESPN over Adam Herman, a guy who works at the SB Nation Rangers blog, just from a instinctual level. The Rangers never, never leak. It's one reason the Rangers do not control narratives they are involved with and why speculation is always around them is they don't leak. There aren't their version of events out there in the universe, and it's how people get these kind of stories out, where you get into this vacuum of information where people are going to say things, and they got to generate their clicks, and do I think Adam had the right intentions, and do I think he probably had someone relatively close to the situation who told him that? Yeah. The Rangers denied it, though. You can't stand by a story if people are refuting it and are saying you're lying. You can't. Otherwise, you have to reveal additional information to verify what you said. You're going to have to... You might have to have a source burn themselves. You might have to... To verify your story, you very well might have to burn a source to never have them again because it is your word against the team's word. And if the team is lying... You have to be able to call them out on it. Not the, I'm standing by my reporting. That's that's not right. And it's frustrating. It is frustrating for all of us who want the team to do well, who want the team to be a good organization that has good people in it. We want all these guys to play their best, to have the best environment to play in. And they can't do that when you have situations like this arise. And there are very real concerns I have about how this is going to translate for the next few days because the Rangers won't nip this in the butt. They'll just have David Quinn say, we're handling it internally at his press conference tomorrow. And then they're going to go play their hockey game and all of the players are going to say, coach spoke for us. Let's just talk about the game we just played. And it's not going to go away. And it's going to be extremely unfair to K. Andre Miller, who's going to end up getting shoehorned into the story because Adam Herman reported something that the team denied and that Miller's agent denied. So it's frustrating, is my main point. And it's frankly embarrassing, man. The Rangers have got to do a better job in these situations, man. And it's so easy to do the right thing. It is so easy to do the right thing. You just got to be willing to do it. And yeah, Tony D'Angelo gave you 53 points last year. He was also always just one bad moment away from going back to being the guy who was yelling slurs and epithets as a teenager at other people. People like that, who've never been wrong, who are constantly in these kind of arguments back and forth with people, you saw it in D'Angelo's social media presence, those kind of people, they cannot be reasoned with, they do not learn their lesson, even when they are wrong, they do not learn their lesson, and D'Angelo still hasn't learned his lesson, and frankly, he's going to be out of the league if the Rangers don't take mercy on him and give him another chance, because no organization's going to touch him with a 10-foot pole, I would be shocked if, A, we woke up and he was claimed by another team on Monday, or B, that if the Rangers get out of his contract, someone signs him. He's going to have to do career rehab for a while in Europe or Russia. All of this said, I want better for my hockey team, both morally and from a hockey perspective. 
I didn't want to talk too much about hockey because the real story is what happened. D'Angelo and Georgiev got in it. A third party broke it up. Adam Herman became part of the news cycle when he reported something. News organizations like ESPN are reporting things counter to his reporting. So, as far as operating forward and tomorrow, like, you know, Monday when you're going to be listening to this, first of all, I hope you still have power and the snow hasn't taken out your internet and all that so you can, like, you know, enjoy a decent work-from-home day. I know a lot of people, every day is a work-from-home day, but you know what I mean. Assuming the Rangers still have practice in their game, even though it's going to snow pretty bad, and expecting somewhere in the ballpark of foot and a half-ish, close to two feet of snow in the New York metro area, I'm about 30, 40 minutes outside the city, and we're supposed to get between 18 and 24 inches of snow, so there's some possibility that the team either doesn't practice and they just have the guys in the city so they can play their game or the game just gets outright postponed due to snow which it doesn't happen often in hockey but a two foot and a half two feet of snow that that's a lot but if david quinn is in front of the media tomorrow he will likely say that it's being handled internally and that the rangers will talk when the time is right and it'll probably be jeff gordon and john davidson delivering that message and not david quinn because david quinn does not look good right now he does not look like he has a handle on his situation and if the team can't you know get along with each other enough to play hockey how how can they win hockey games is where i come down on this entire situation i said i wasn't going to do a long episode but 45 minutes of talking really happens quick when you're not really thinking about it and you're just Speaking from the heart, because frankly, I've been thinking about this a lot all day, and it's very, very frustrating when the teams you support, the people you like, I can't even say the people I like, I, when people in your involved with your team let you down, and the Rangers have failed on a number of fronts here, and they need to do better, period. There's no equivocating, there's no but, they need to do better. They need to send D'Angelo off to Hockey Siberia and start going in the right direction because at some point, from a fan's perspective, it's hard to constantly get mad when they are constantly messing up. It becomes what I am with the Giants, where I'm so disillusioned that I almost don't care anymore how upset and frustrated I am. I'm not there yet with the Rangers, but... The way they've handled a few things over the last year from an organizational perspective and then from a roster perspective, yeah, it's very frustrating. I will be back tomorrow, and we will start looking towards the Super Bowl. Got to iron out what tomorrow's rundown is going to be. I think I'll probably be by myself just to kind of paint a picture and get things going. Wednesday, Detroit Lions episode with a recurring guest, Casey who was on way back in November to talk about the Dodgers. Her Lions traded Matt Stafford, and she wants to talk about the state of her organization and truly be an upper bowl GM for that episode, which will be fun. Then we got to iron out the rest of the week. i got a few ideas lined up. And then early next week, we will, of course, have big picture post-Super Bowl reaction, that kind of thing that I've done for the entire playoffs. And... We're going to be talking, talking birds.
the Philadelphia Eagles got a new head coach in Nick Sirianni, and my friend Mark, who still loves the Eagles with the same enthusiasm he did the first time I met him in middle school, and still believes in the team with all his heart, will be on to discuss the state of the franchise, Wentz and Hurts, how they did Doug Peterson dirty. It's going to be a fun time. Please do better, Rangers. I'll see you guys tomorrow.